Well, hello and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast with Seth and Nerva Ready. I'm Stephen Robles, and we're doing this live. That's right. That's live right. on the Facebook for the first time. What you playing there, brother Seth? That old uh, clothes on Sunday, brother. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we got a <laughs> we got a lot to cover uh, today, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know how you convinced us to jump on this thing live tonight, bro. Because I asked last minute. I knew you didn't have time to think about it, so I just right. did it. That's <laughs> right. It's Steven's fault, y'all. <laughs> let's set it up and let's it's go. His idea. Hey, should we talk about Impact Three Hundred and Sixty? Yeah, go ahead. Let's go do ahead. it. Well, if you're joining us on Facebook for the first time, or uh, if you're a longtime listener, a uh, Brandon. More Johnson is saying, hey, y'all. So, you know, they're in the What's comments. up, Brother Brandon? Sorry I missed you today in church, brother. I meant to yeah, yeah. holla at you. We saw you. Well, we want to always point you to impact360.org. You're probably watching on a device right now. Don't stop watching this live feed, but when you're done, go to the impact360.org and check out their online courses and camps for apologetics for uh, freshmen to seniors. And uh, again, they have great resources to learn, train about worldview and truth and all that. So, and if you sign up for an online course, Free mind promo code gets you twenty five dollars off. I just dropped some Lacroix on my my MacBook, so this, this whole live stream might go up. <laughs> it might go up. So many problems with that scenario right now, including the fact that you're drinking Lacroix. Listen, I I was on that Lacroix kick for a little while, but only the coconut, only the coconut flavor. Well, for someone that drinks. I I've only tried this tangerine here. What's up, Albert? Albert Cologne from uh, uh, President yeah. Church. He's, he's on What's there. up, brother? That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, the fact that you drink cold brew all the time. LaCroix, the Lord. LaCroix fits right <laughs> in with it, bro. So there's a lot of issues going on here. But started a new batch today. But we're talking about a... A lot of things today. So, so this is a crazy that. week, y'all, for real. Yes. Um, whew, so many things happen, like... Uh, I don't know if so many things have happened in one week. I was I was scrolling through the feed just a couple of days ago, and or maybe it was last night, and I saw this like collage of pictures, and they were like, "What a week for the body," you know, because mm-hmm. it had it had a picture of Beth Moore on there, Jeez. a right. picture of uh, Toby Mac, and a picture of uh, Kanye, and just like all the stuff right. that was going on. I was like, "Wow, this really was." I guess it happened within the span of a week. I can't remember when the John McCarthy thing dropped, but. It was early, yeah. It was. I think it was all like it was a three or week, four day right? span. Like. And then I was also impacted. I was like, man, we know two of those people on there really right. well. And it was just, you know, and then we had all these events going on. We had like two events this week. So it's just been yeah. a, a crazy, crazy, crazy time. And the people you know closely is Toby Mack, obviously. Oh Nervous yeah. saying with, how long were you with him? 17 years. 17 years. And then Beth Moore, you guys have done some of her living proof conferences for a while it's yeah been a long time. kind of been part of the team probably about maybe 10 to 12 years something like that maybe a little wow. longer something yeah. like that but and so you know one of the things was i was going to get on there i think it was wednesday night was it wednesday night or thursday night i was yeah. like wrestling back and forth i was thinking about doing a live facebook because normally i wouldn't want to even touch a topic where i'm close to someone on it like in a public way right and um you know because i just we want to respect just the relationship sure. and everything. So, but I, I thought I was seeing so many reactions from people, mm-hmm. and I said, you know what? Given what we we're trying to do with this podcast, this ministry, I thought, you know, there was some some stuff we needed to pull out of it and and yeah. talk about. And so I was I was wrestling with, do I do this on Facebook Live? Because I don't, you know, when you do that, it's like more public. It's out there. It's, yeah. it's out there. You get all kind of people interacting. You don't want to, you know, we're not trying to like bring more heat you know we're trying to right, shed, right. bring more light hopefully less right. heat um but anyways i decided not to do it and then that very night was when we got that call it was a text message from yeah. my friend travis who texted you texted me at first but i didn't have my phone on me right and then he texted you and he's like man i just got this incredible text scary from travis asking about Truett, and i was like oh wow so i yeah called Travis and he had heard, I guess it had been on Instagram or had gotten yeah. out, the news had gotten out. So I text some of the band guys and so it was horribly true. And so I, um, it took Oof. my breath away. It really it did. So it literally did. It was um, And stunning. I just want to say quite a few deaths this week. Michael yeah. Stampley as well as Who a lady we also from our know. church, We've... Debbie Carissa's brother, I think committed suicide. And so it's just been an intense week. All young people. Yeah, and, man. Um, just heartbreaking. But that, it took my breath away and I was just like, wow. And the guys, I think we're in Canada flying back home to make it home. And so, yeah, 
just heartbreaking. Um, mm. But it's been beautiful to see all the prayers and encouragement. The body yeah. just been flooding. The I think it impacted with, everybody. Yeah, like because True Dog, we all watch yeah, him man. grow and become who he, he was as a man, a young man. And so, um, yeah, we felt like we, we all know and love him. And, and people really kind of shared their comfort prayers. And um, yeah, really heartbreaking. So, yeah, we'll just keep lifting them up. Everybody that's affected this week, I'm sure mm. that there's just been lots of um, heartache. And mm. so the God of comfort, just be with all the families, everybody affected. And yeah, and it's just been a, a real mm. reminder of just what's important in life. You yeah. know, we can't be so distracted all the time by just silly stuff on <laughs> social media, ironically. But um, right. Right. just drawing close to family, friends, community, and just um, rem- remembering that this isn't our home. Mm-hmm. We don't know when our last day on earth is. And so just being can, prepared yeah. to meet our savior is huge. It so, really centered everything. You know, when we got oh, that news, it was, I mean, it still aches. Like we're still feeling that yeah. sense of like, it's been a, a hum. Cause we've been so busy this week having to do, it's like, Oh man, I can't yeah. believe this. We got and but it was just constantly there in the, mm-hmm. and feeling in the background. But I think you're right. It just reminded us. And even coming after the controversy and all that stuff, it was right. like, it almost, brought the body together again yeah. just the fact of that suffering man that we just couldn't believe it so we're just continuing to pray and and thank you guys for continuing to pray for their yeah. family and yeah love you the mckeans we're praying for you and for sure all the other families um just got the god of comfort be with you and and just keep you guys you know, I have a, a lady friend who was in a book club with me who lost a child at like mm. 6 weeks and when she mm. tells and recaptures that story it's mm. like you, she said it almost. It was all. It would have felt better to just just leave it all alone, walk away from everything because the pain was so great, mm. and I just cannot imagine. But you know, death. It, you know, the scripture says it's lost its sting, but it's still kind of painful here. It just has, yeah. you know, we know where we we go, and so we have hope, and so we're not hopeless in it. But the pain, man, I tell you, it's 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 something. Mm. But our Savior is is there, and He's close to the brokenhearted. So we just pray that continually over yeah, everyone man. affected. For sure, for sure. And um, but yeah, you know. So after that, we kept you know seeing kind of this back and forth, and we even you know texted with the team and mm. with um, Beth's team that we've traveled with for years. Those guys are you know they're all family. And right. uh, in fact, when we did the Nashville thing, almost everybody got to come and That's awesome. be a part of that That's event. Awesome. And we love them, you know, so much. But you know, the first reaction is, man, we we, we gotta we gotta because you know yeah. I, I don't know if you've heard the listen to the audio yet from the YouTube. It's pretty uh it it hits like when you yeah. listen to it, it's like yeah. oof. But we're talking about so John MacArthur yeah. was on a panel. It seemed like he was doing some Q and A at a church conference. Yeah, yeah, Truth Matters conference or something. Right, like that. something like that. And so, and in the conference, they did, in the Q and A, the first question or whatever they were doing is a word association. Yeah. And so the moderator was saying, "When I say something, say the first thing that comes to mind." Oh, yeah. And right. So he said, "Are you going to play it, or you just want to talk I, about?" It? I mean, it's it? seven minutes. Should we play it? No. We, well, do you have it right up to the point where he says it? I can maybe I'll just play a little bit of it. Yeah, I'll just play a little bit of yeah. it here and see if we can. Rather than us, yeah. I will say a word, and then the three of you need to give a one or a pithy response to the word. Are you I feel ready? Feel like I'm being set up. <laughs> that is always the case with Todd. Watch out for him. <laughs> he will try to embarrass you. We're going to start out. This is this is just kind of touching your toes. Easy, easy setup for you. Let's begin with an easy one. The word is Beth Moore. That's two words. <laughs> Literalist. All right. Dr. MacArthur, Beth Moore. How many words do I get? You know, actually, and, and before you answer this, please think carefully this time, because last time you did a one-word association, yeah, the no, guy wrote a book a about trouble. it, and no. we don't want that. I was thinking of the same word. Okay. Go home. Yeah, and it, it only gets worse from there, to be honest. And it mm. was, I mean, it. Ugh, it, it <laughs> so I, so when I first saw, first saw that on social media, yeah, I thought it was an 
I didn't think it actually happened. I okay. thought it was something alluded to, or maybe yeah. it was a post. Yeah. I didn't realize it was him saying that. And then listening to the clip, like the two things, the laughter after they said Beth Moore, yeah. it seems very strange. Like the whole right. audience just laughs when the right. name is said. Right. And then again, the laughter after he says it. You know, yeah. there's not even a somber, like, I can't believe he said that. It's just. Yeah. So, and the book is apparently the, the uh, Dr. Michael Brown book. Is that what you're no, saying? I think I honestly. So I don't know this for sure, but I think the other, the last time they played this game, you know, I, I, I think it was Stephen Furtick, and he said the one word he said was unqualified. Yikes. And we'll come, we'll come back to that. Um, hmm. But you know, I so so it hits hard, you know. So the the reaction from the team is like, you know, let's let's go, you know. But but this is how Beth is. She was she asked everybody, please do not respond. Right. And um, so hopefully this doesn't count as a response because ultimately we're not going to, we're not trying to slander him in any way here. We're just going to talk about the issues involved. But, um, and, and I don't know if you saw this tweet the other day she put out, she said, please, everybody stop slandering uh, Johnny Mac. Hmm. Um, it does something like it doesn't help the body, doesn't help, right. you know, doesn't glorify right. God. And it, you know, it, it, we don't want to say too much about, her personally, because I don't want to, I don't want to take advantage of our intimacy and friendship with her. Um, but I do want to say that's her, you know. She's so um, upstanding. Like I remember her having issues with another lady who was. They were going back and forth on social media, and the lady was um, calling her heretic. She said, "Can we continue this conversation offline?" Because right. she knew that her supporters would just open the floodgates on her, and she just right. didn't want that. She does not looking to to just gloat over her enemy enemies in any way but she's just that kind of person you know she's just Hmm. she takes the high road yeah (laughs) Yeah. and you know and not to not to sure she wouldn't want us to paint her as a saint or anything but but i but i do you know being up close to her one of the things i used to always say is she she restored my faith in big platform ministry Mm. and not that other people that we travel with didn't either but i'm saying well i actually said this if you've lost your faith in big platform ministry because i had a lot of good experiences with people that i traveled with but i said if you have she would be one that would help restore your faith because she was so authentic like on and off the stage you knew that when you used to always say when we walked away from every time i left beth moore's presence i wanted to go get in my word and in time with Jesus every time she lit a fire in me like that she was so serious she wasn't playing about Christ and she could talk about Jesus for days yeah the scriptures mm. I mean she just loved the scriptures. she loves mm. the scriptures and yeah. so every time I got around her I'd hear her preach and then go home like I got I want to yeah carve out time and speak with Jesus and dig in his word so that's so, the Beth I know and love for sure and and she's been so good to us over the years and mm-hmm. so when you hear something like that you emotionally you want to react you want to you know you kind of the, the flesh rises up but I did I a you know Jesus tells us not to do that b I think Beth would tell us not to do that mm-hmm. and um what what we're not saying by that is because Beth loves Jesus and be, because you know we know her personally that therefore everything she ever says is right. She would she would mm-hmm. be the first one to say yeah. you know she might be mistaken about some things, but I can say honestly and and confidently that on essentials she is solid. Like she is not mm-hmm. a false teacher. She's not a heretic. She's not. Right. She often gets painted as things that she's not online stuff gets taken out of context and that's you know uh, even for me like there would be things that like in non-essentials things off the side that we might not see eye to eye in and um and that's no big deal i mean there's things myself two years ago that i no longer see eye to eye on on non-essentials and probably two years from now i'll look back and say man i I need to delete four of those free mind podcasts (laughs) because you know but you know the the truth of it is this is interesting too like you know, even on some, she's taken, she's, you know, kind of made some stands on some things socially, politically, and some of it I'm like, yeah, some of it I might not fully go with all all the way. And, but she came in one day, it was a couple of years ago after the election happened Mm -hmm. and she gathered the whole staff. It was right before one of the living proofs. And she said, you know, she said, I've, Oh, like basically a can of worms has been opened up. We're getting a lot of backlash right now. And she said, I'm sorry. 
if I've pulled you guys into this. And I know some of you don't even agree with me on this. And she said, for those of you that don't, I appreciate you even more because I know you love me that much to not agree Mm. with me and still stand with me. And that's, you know, honestly, that's the kind of, I just want to give a quick sketch of of who she is and and how she is mature. She understands that, you know, man, if we can go 90% of the way, we can, we can go for the king in this stuff. And it doesn't matter if we have quibbles here and there. She caught, she will often make a distinction between rib and spine issues Hmm. and the spine being those essentials. We're going to talk more about that in a minute, but, and the rib being those kind of those secondary things. And she, I think she has a real good understanding of the difference between those two. Right. And that, to me, is kind of what I want to talk about on on, on this uh, particular YouTube. And maybe John MacArthur, um, historically, who's a great Bible commentator. Like, we actually have his, one of his Bible commentaries here at the house. And, mm. you know, he's been really helpful and a, and a, and a man of God for many years. Um when I heard this, my reaction was, you know, like we already talked about, but I also thought, man, I really wish, I really hope that he would publicly walk that back and at least repent or, or apologize to her of being glib and slandering her. He go, you know, they go on to talk about her being a jewelry hawker, you know, and wow. basically, you know, I don't know, this really dismissive kind of gross thing of her whole ministry that I don't think, I hope it doesn't reflect like his general character, but at the same time, Context wise, I do know that he has taken kind of similar um, approaches with a lot of people in the body that he disagrees with. Mm. And, you know, for a ministry like ours that cares about truth and they're at a truth matters conference, we, we have a lot of similarities in that sense. Like we both understand the importance of truth. He went on the Ben Shapiro show and did a great job presenting the gospel. Hmm. And he does, you know, in many, many, many things, he does an incredible job. So we're don't want to slander, but here's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's two things I think that, that occurred to me that, that I thought would be worth it for us to learn from in the body. Let's do it. Um, the first thing was, um, we, we, I think we need to understand the difference between essentials and non-essentials of the faith, um, core issues and secondary issues. And there, there's a, um, core issue meaning like dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You won't find a dancing knee on a praying knee, brother. Hey. Um, Before we get to that too, just want to say hi to some other people. Aaron David is in there, and oh, Steve up, Clark, Aaron? all the way from the Marshall Islands. Work it out, uh, oh, wow. missionary hey. from whenever. So yeah, welcome to Lori Jones. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Now, that's awesome. Um, you know, uh, William Lane Craig will often talk about having a web of beliefs, and he talks about you know things that are at the center, and understanding things that are further out on the web. And okay. Uh, this relates to even as I'm wrestling through the issues, what I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus more on those core things first and get those solidified because those are right at the heart of Christianity. And then the things that are less, I'm, a lot of them are important, but they're not core. And um, I think he mentions a couple here. Let me see if I can uh, find it on this article from his uh, Reasonable Faith. Core meaning non-negotiables. Yes, Yes, and just like essential to what it means to be what C.S. Lewis calls mere Christianity. This is something that, you know, you can go in different doorways of denominations and stuff like that. Maybe even, you know, Catholic and Protestant as well, you know, uh, Pentecostal and um, Episcopal and and all those. But the hallway is what he's talking about, that Mm. mere Christianity, the things that that have – and we'll talk about more of yeah. what some of those are, where they're encapsulated. What you got? Yeah, because I feel like in this day and time right now, it really is proving to matter what church you attend and what they're teaching and right. what they believe. It's like if if five years ago it was like kind of like, oh, okay, you know, they're a church. We're, we're safe. It's the Bible. Today mm. it's like, okay, where do they stand on a lot of right. things? So well, this yeah. is good. Elisa talks about the progressive Christian church Absolutely. she went to that she had no idea was until she got into the small group where the Pastor revealed right. how he actually believed, and so even on Sunday morning, it might look one way. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Go. So that. So actually, speaking of Elisa, um, she recently, like, I think, kind of in response to this controversy, she put up a post, and she talked about, you know, she's always talking about the danger of progressive Christianity, but she said there's also a danger of what she called hyper fundamentalism, mm. and I think. She kind of, yes. So in other words, she said, she posted this uh, 
YouTube video by Norm Geisler. So we'll put that in the notes, Mm -hmm. but it's really good. It's it's Dr. Norman Geisler says the essentials of the faith. And he goes through biblically what he thinks are the, um, he calls them soteriological essentials, essentials for salvation. And there are 14 of them, according to Geisler that in the end, and here's the important saying, this is actually from a Ken. It's funny because everybody was putting this up this week and I think it's right, like right on point. And it says, um, ah, having trouble opening this, but it's uh, from a guy named, I I don't know how to say his name really, but Rupertus Mel. Denius from the 17th century. He was a Lutheran theologian and educator. Mm. And he said this, we're familiar with this. Most of us are familiar with this, but it says in essentials, unity in non-essentials, liberty Mm. in all things, charity. Mm, That's Mm. good. And I think that statement was missed in the MacArthur thing because we have to ask is because it becomes apparent over time that what their, their problem with Beth is, is I guess she's been preaching in some churches where there's men. And so basically roles and roles for women in ministry is, is kind of the, one of the main things that they took issue with. Now, I, I think that's clearly in the secondary ring. It's not in the core. It's one of these secondary issues. And, and he'll even talk about which ones are fall in that category. He, he agrees with that. But what I feel like they conflated it, and they often do that, in my view, to the essentials. And then on top of it, they were uncharitable. Right. In fact, like the opposite yeah. of charitable. So I think if they had practiced this little rubric, I think it, it would be helpful. And that's something we can all do here. And so here's a, here's the 14 essentials, according to Geisler. One is human depravity. And that just basically means that we aren't born good since the fall. We, we are born broken and right. set against God. We are rebels. Um, two, Mary's virginity, the, the virgin birth of Christ, because it has to do with his deity. Three, Christ's purity. Mm. Four, Christ's deity. Five, Christ's humanity. Six, mm. God's unity. Seven, God's triunity, his mm. Trinitarian nature. Eight, the necessity of God's grace. Nine, mm. the necessity of our faith. Ten, Christ's atoning death. Eleven, Christ's bodily resurrection. Twelve, Christ's bodily ascension. Thirteen, Christ's priestly intercession. And fourteen, Christ's bodily return. Okay. Now he says those, and he goes through like kind of a a long process. He's done a lot of study over that in the years. He's, you know, he just recently passed, but he's a leading Christian apologist, philosopher, theologian, and he said this is what comes out of the Bible as well as the creeds. Um, And this is what you see in the Apostles' Creed. Like it centers on these issues here, and that's what joins all of the body together under that heading. And he, he, he says there's also three types of essentials. That's, that's the soteriological essentials. He would say that's the okay. things we have to believe. That's the content of the faith for being in Christ, for being a historical Christian. The second one, though, is an epistemological essential. And he said that is the infallibility and inerrancy of Scripture. In other words, epistemology has to do with knowledge. So how do we come to know those essentials? Well, we have to first have that foundation that the Bible is from God. If you don't have that, then how do you know those other 14 essentials are true and that they are, in fact, essential? So he says the epistemological foundation is the infallibility and inerrancy of Scripture. He nuances that in a book called Inerrancy with the uh, Chicago Inerrancy Statement. All these guys got together and, and worked that out, and it's really helpful. The third one is a hermeneutical essential, and he says, he calls it here the literal method of interpretation, but what he means is the literary method of the historical grammatical interpretation method. Mm -hmm. So you're looking to what did the author in that case mean, and you're using different, you know, methods of of discerning that, not reading into the text, not um, reinterpreting in terms of like liberation theology or uh, critical theory, which we're going to talk about, that kinds of right. stuff where you're okay. using foreign things to the text to read stuff mm-hmm. in and, and kind of twist it. Rather, you're trying to do your best job. It's sometimes really difficult, but you're trying to do your best to discern what the author and meant by it and what the audience would have been understanding in a given text. And, and that's going to include things like genre, you know, is this poetry, is this biography, is this um, prophecy, historical prophecy, all, all those types of things. And so that's, he says those are the three kinds of essentials. 
Now that, I, I think that's actually a pretty good starting place. You might mm-hmm. quibble with him on this or that detail, but if he's right about that, which I think he is, then things like he goes on to talk about age of the earth, role of women in ministry, the gifts of the spirit, um, hmm. even Calvinism versus Arminianism, these things would be non-essentials. Now, what he says is that that doesn't mean they're not important. Right, okay. right. And he has views on those things, and he'll right. argue like strongly in favor of his views. Like These are still yeah. important issues, right. but we, we have to be clear that they're not essentials and that we can yeah. still have fellowship. We don't have to call someone, or we ought not call someone a heretic or make right. fun of them or be uncharitable. Even if they are a heretic, we shouldn't be uncharitable, right. sure. but yeah. especially yeah. if the disagreement is in the area of non-essentials. Would you and I think when you say essential, it's important to remember essential for salvation. Would that be an accurate interpretation of that? Yeah, I think what he's, I think it's kind of, I'd have to go through it again and listen to it because it's been a few days. But yeah, the first one is soteriological essential. So this is what, you know, would be, what I think he would Christian. say re- required to be a Christian. Yeah. But I think he would also say this is what it required to be like a Christian church or denomination. Uh, yeah. You gotcha. want to like, Sound. if you, if you move away from those, you've moved out of really historic Christianity. Gotcha. And at that point you wouldn't consider the person. I mean, it sounds really harsh, but like a brother or sister in Christ or that wow. church, like you wouldn't be in unity with them and as right. a Christian fellowship, hmm. like they have at that point stepped outside of it. And, right. and again, even then he would say, you don't have to be unkind or make fun right. or mock. No, of course. Um, but that, I think that helps kind of delineate. And that's why, honestly, that's one reason we talk about progressive Christianity is not to pick on something that's a non-essential, but actually when you read this list and you read full, full, full blown progressive Christian writers, you realize they end up actually moving away from a lot of these 14 and it begins oftentimes, not with all of them, but it begins oftentimes with the epistemological essential. So you see when they let go of the Bible as authoritative from God, the rest of the doctrines pretty much fall to the ground in favor of kind of cultural waves and winds that are, that are more popular so it's a it's a typical progression um Mm. and i think that's why you know you get you often get the the loss of the atonement that's what elisa talks about in the progressive christian you get the loss sometimes of god's unity and and Mm -hmm. god's nature is separate from creation panentheism is kind of coming in where god the the universe is god's body and we are god in that sense and it's a new age and so Mm -hmm. that's 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 outside of historic christianity you also lose oftentimes human depravity that we are bent and broken as our as our default position so you can you can see where Progressive Christianity offers a major distortion and and walk away from historic Christianity as found in the creeds and as grounded in scripture. So that's why we often spend time talking through those things and Mm -hmm. not to be mean. And we still should be charitable to them. And I think Elisa does a good job of that. And and that to me, when I saw that clip, I was like, you know, Mm, yeah, man, I, I wish I wish they had practiced more charity and and just dis- making a dist- distinction between the two. Yeah, because both are like contagious and spread in the crowd in the room, and they all chimed in with the laughter. They all kept it going, and and it all started with his one question. And he, I think he knew what he was doing. He like he he even said. I'm being set up here, and so it's like at right. that point, I wish the Holy Spirit had told him like, well. <laughs> Holy Spirit would tell him, but I wish yeah. his conscience would have been like, well, let me just really, really just state my beliefs on that. But he just went, he attacked her. And, and separate from so John funny. MacArthur, like, why would the moderator even ask that question? Like, so let me, baby. let me give another yeah. round of context. And again, I, I, I got to be careful here because I, I have a, you know, when you start joking and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. it's easy to be Absolutely. cynical and make fun of people. So I, I actually watched that and I was like, eesh, I hope, you know. I hope I'm not doing that at times because it is easy to get in that, you know, you just kind of get in that flow and you're making fun and mocking. It's fun. Mm. You got a crowd. And so, mm. it, it, you know, I, I get the temptation of it, but the guy asking the question, his name, I, I believe is Todd Friel. Okay. And if you're familiar with wretched, um, it's mm. a, it's a radio show that he does. And if he sees this, we'll be on the heretic list, but literally, <laughs> oh, nice. literally Todd, like, Thanks I mean, the, the thing, like I would, I would categorize him, you know, as still, I think he's a brother in Christ. Um, but, I, but I do think he's a hypercritic, like he labels almost everybody you've ever heard of as a heretic and, hmm. and he does so with kind of like this mocky kind of funny vibe, you know, running, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. So when I, when I 
heard John, I wasn't immediately shocked that mm-hmm. he did that because I've heard him do that before. Right. And then when I heard him say Todd, I was like, I wonder if that was Todd Frill. And I began to look it up and it looked like it was. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. it's starting to make sense, which is why on the one hand, I was like, man, you know, we shouldn't probably take it too, too seriously because these guys. That's what they do. Yeah, that's kind of what they do, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I Again, I don't have a a thing against Todd and, but I, I do yeah. know that he's called many people that I know for a fact are solid believers. He's, he's basically said they're disqualified as believers. Jeez. And, wow. and I think he often, in my view, collapses the non-essential with the essential. And so that combination is, is to me really dangerous of the kind of mocky cynical thing and not, and not understanding or not, Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he understands it, but doesn't agree with that distinction. But right. then we would have, you know, we'd need to just wrestle that out. Um, hmm. So that was that. You know, I think, okay. I think that's what it is. And I and I and I still hope. You know, man, how healing would it be if John MacArthur yes. came out and not not changed his theological views, but admitted, his yeah, and and said, you know what, I, I wrongly, it was unkind, just swiped away her ministry and discounted right. it and. And the odd thing is, like, out of all the women preachers, like, she's really, for the most part, just stuck to yeah. teaching female audiences. Like, our Living Proof event, live, right. they're, they're for women. They are. Um, and I remember, because Whitney and I actually went to an event you guys were singing at. It was Living Proof in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Whitney actually remembered Beth Moore making a comment mm-hmm. that, I know there are some men in the room, and, you know, just like a disclaimer. And I had no idea why she even said anything like i didn't realize it, that was a thing yeah but her because i guess she she comes from a baptist denomination yeah yeah it? yeah okay so i but we just had no idea but i remember her saying that like you know if you're uncomfortable whatever yeah. like okay. yeah so she historically i think has i think it's just recently she accepted an invitation to go to a couple churches and preach on a sunday and i think that was kind of the beginning of this controversy gotcha and also kind of you know got involved in some political stuff some social stuff so it's all kind of coalesced and and right. and people i think are are kind of unfairly placing her in the kind of progressive christianity light right section when i don't i i don't think she's moved that way i think in fact i'm confident she hasn't especially on these essentials right um but she might you know she might have shifted some with complementarianism versus egalitarianism and how roles of women in ministry I, i'm not sure i haven't talked with her I, we haven't been able to uh, travel with them as much in the last two years because we've been out doing our stuff yeah. and haven't been able to do the living pro- proof live. So I don't know where she is on that for sure right now, but I do know an essentials solid. But here was my other thing, because you probably didn't know about that because we do come from a more charismatic background. Right. And um, in that background, they tend to be, at least on the issue of female preachers and stuff like that, they don't take the complementarian view. So right. complementarianism basically different spectrums of it. There's kind of a hard complementarianism, which is yeah. what I think John MacArthur would ascri- subscribe to. And it's the view that God has clear roles for men and women. And, and basically I think he would say from the, from the rest of the comment, like women shouldn't be senators. They shouldn't be pastors. Oh, wow. They okay. shouldn't be leaders. Right. And um, you know, men should be kind of leaders like that. And then on the, the other end of the spectrum will be kind of like our background. We come from where basically anything that many egalitarians would still believe there's biblical masculinity and biblical femininity. But as far as roles, I think right. they pretty much I say see. whoever's gifted for that by God. And, and then there's sometimes in the middle, there's like what's called soft complementarianism. And that's kind of like an, an in-between view. And it's worked out different ways by different people. Now, here's the thing. I'm just going to say I come I, like we come from that egalitarian background. But I, I having read arguments for both sides a little bit, I, I actually don't She's have. Twice, right? <laughs> I don't have a I don't have a fully. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I don't. I don't have a fully formed view on it yet. I don't have like a strong, like I believe the Bible definitely favors this side. Um, I think there's actually pretty strong complementarian arguments that I wasn't Mm -hmm. aware of growing up, Mm. Um, especially in, you know, Paul's letters, things like that. And then, you know, more the acts and gospels and stuff like that kind of, you can pull that out for egalitarianism. Um, So I, I'm not saying there's not a way to know. I just haven't personally spent enough time reading both sides from really high levels enough to, to form a strong opinion. So that's where I'm coming from. So that's what, what, 
why I really want to talk about this because one of the reactions I'm seeing is because of how John MacArthur acted, people are saying, well, see, this is the fruit of complementarianism and mm. it's just misogyny wrapped in a theological Ooh, cloak. Wow. Yikes. And that, that ten, and then people throw up a couple verses like, see, this proves egalitarianism as though like the game is over, case is shut. And I just, I want to warn against that because as Christians, we need to be careful. We need to have epistemic virtues. We need to be mm, careful with what we say so we know good. and what truth is. And, and one of the, I mean, one of the classic logical fallacies is ad hominem. Right. And it's of the man. And you basically discount someone's view by pointing to the person that holds the view. And a kind of a subspecies of that would be, well, this person's mean, therefore what they say what they're saying yeah. cannot be true. Well, it's just a logical fallacy. Right. And it has nothing to do with the case. You have to judge the truth of so the theological viewpoint based on its scriptural um support. And the best understanding, given his method of the historical grammatical method. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's a similar, it parallels what happened with uh, Christopher Hitchens because he tried to write that mm. book, God is Not Great, Religion Poisons Everything. Mm. And his argument, he skipped over, is, is religion true or is Christianity true, right to trying to describe right. the sociological effects of religion. He didn't do a very good balanced job as many people ripped him up to because he didn't, I mean, he basically is as many warts as specifically Christianity has had over the years. It's the things that it's done for positive or, I mean, dwarf the negative by comparison, the hospitals, the learning, the, you know, equal rights, human rights, you know, all these things that come out of the Christian tradition. And he, I think he understood that by, by near the end of his life. He, I feel like he kind of backed off some of that because it was just foolish. But even if it were the case that was 50, 50 or Christianity was, had been, you know, use negatively 70% of the time, the question you still have to ask that's more primary is, is it true? Right. Mm. And I just want to kind of like, let's, let's be careful when issues like this come up, not to judge a viewpoint by how someone acts. Oh boy. Just a lot. It's a, it's a logical fallacy. That's a good reminder. Right. It's so easy, right? Yeah. To just discount because they're a jerk and you're like, well, I don't have to listen to you anyway, but yeah. Christian virtues, epistemic virtues, is just, okay, what scriptural support yeah. is there for what that person is saying? Or right. is there no scriptural support? Right, right, exactly. Okay. And now there is a, there is a, you know, there's an existential question you get to eventually of like, what does this viewpoint produce in someone's life? And that's an important question to ask, but it's, it's not the primary question. And, you know, you do, you, you often hear that like with, um, you know, atheism, what, when you believe this worldview, what does it produce? Well, arguably it produces all, you know, many of the evils and thankfully not many atheists are good people. And I would argue because they don't actually, um, accept their worldview and apply it consistently, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But if you accept that there is no objective good and evil and, you know, and then you apply it economically, sometimes people will say, you know, communism was an economic application of atheism. You can Mm -hmm. see the outworking of that uh, sociologically and you can see the bad fruit of that in a sense. And that does rate that, that should raise questions and say, man, maybe we're missing something here, but you still have to ask at the end of the day, is atheism true? And and not just discount it because of what it sometimes produces. And then you also have to ask the question is, is this a fruit like in for, for Christianity, for instance, like were there Christians that, you know, did awful stuff in the name of the Bible. Yes, for sure. But you have to ask, did they do so rightly? Was that good exegesis? Hmm. Oh, um, right. And often, and I would argue most times when you see something bad happen in history, it's because people have departed from sound biblical teaching and it would often be sound biblical teaching that brought the corrective. Right. And so in this case, you have many complementarians who are, I mean, to all, appearances all evidence are not misogynistic they're not patriarchal in a negative sense they're not evil people that are just hating women and trying to push Mm -hmm. them down Mm -hmm. in fact many many complementarians responded to john MacArthur with harsh rebuke and Mm -hmm. calling him to repent um so i don't even think complementarianism produces that kind of fruit all the time i honestly think from what i've noticed that's probably a more of a minority um outcome of that position. Okay. Yeah. Now that was, so that was one reaction I would say from, from people 
I just think like kind of an average Christian who leans egalitarian was like, ah, da, 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 and, and that's a stupid point of view anyways. I, I would just encourage you. Sometimes those, those there's books by Zondervan, books by other. I like to read those five views on or four views on. Yeah to check my own prejudice, you know, cause we have, we do on uh, one of the defaults. I, theologians might call this the, no, the noetic effects of sin, this, the effects of sin on our epistemology. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is confirmation bias is we only want to hear from the people that confirm Ooh, right. what we're already biased yeah. to. And so I noticed like a lot of people hear this and they immediately go and read everything they can supporting their view <laughs> of egalitarianism or complementarianism. Guilty. So, and it is, it's, it's hard. I mean, with, yeah. with all the yeah. stuff, it's like so much easier and it's uncomfortable to, sure. to um, really try to assess the argument from the other side. But I think we, to be fair minded, we need to do a better mm. job of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so anyways, the, uh, I'm trying to think how much time we want to spend on this, but there was another stronger reaction, which I kind of knew, or I kind of, I anticipated that it would come. And it was, I I thought, you know, this is a perfect opportunity for progressive Christians um, Mm. to pick up and say, here's exhibit A of either complementary was it produces, but also of historic Christianity. Mm. And, that's off. That's honestly what happened. So I, I saw Facebook stuff, and I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because there's just a lot to say here. But um, Jen Hatmaker posted something, and I just want to read. Um, she's basically been doing this uh, in her talks and talking about the rotten fruit of what mm-hmm. a, you basically judge a theology based on good fruit or rotten fruit. And it's really, Sean McDowell wrote an article, maybe you can find it and post it, but he was responding to one of her things uh, where she talked about that and basically how she took that scripture from Jesus out of context about good fruit and bad fruit. Cause he's talking about obedience to him and, okay. and personal ethics, but she's talking about oftentimes how something, um, what it, what it, brings about in society or the hurt harm that it causes someone. And, and you basically can judge a theology as true or false based on based that. Based on that. Okay. And so she, this is kind of her latest, I think you might call it a, her method of interpreting theology. Mm. And it really, you know, I'll just say this quickly again, anytime you have a, an epistemological viewpoint and method, you want to test your own method by that method, or you want to test your own view by that method. And the interesting thing is, if that's the case, then I think progressive Christianity is in trouble because if you look at how many self-described progressive Christians treat people on Twitter and online, oh. mm. it, it, it produces the same okay. bad fruit that she's accusing him of. Therefore, that theology is false. And so that, well, you know, it doesn't, it well. does, it's, it's again, one of those self-refuting um, bars that you put up that you right. have to test your own viewpoint by. I'm just so I'm gonna go through this quickly because I think sure. it's worth pointing out. Um, now we're about to go deep just for a little bit. Give us about Do it. eight minutes or so. Um, <laughs> so this is what she said. In re- she she said actually a lot of good. Uh, do I read it all? I don't know. <laughs> you know she kind of goes off for a little bit on them, and it's you okay. know you're like on one hand you're like I get it, you know right. Um, and then she goes, she said in her post, this is what it looks like. It looks like misogyny dressed up with false righteousness. It looks like a room of full of cowards. It looks like sin. It is rotten. This is plain. So here is where I find myself leading this morning. In addition to this brazen display of sexism, power, and patriarchy, this same man and his brand of evangelicalism also said the hashtag MeToo movement was a sign that culture was taking over the church and accused feminists of wanting power, not equality. He criticized a resolution passed through the SBC supportive of critical race theory and intersectionality. He dismissed calls for more ethnic diversity on Bible translation committees. This panel called Beth more narcissistic yet used her name as a punchline for self-congratulatory laughs. Again, a lot of that we'd have to go through and piece it out. There's, there's loaded vocabulary there that we don't have time to right now, but 
Here's what she said. Rotten fruit. Resist the gaslighting that inevitably follows. Resist the establishment telling you this fruit is good. Resist the power brokers that brand your dissent as insubordinate or unfaithful. And here's the important paragraph. And if I may take a bridge further, if this brand of theology has produced such rot, isn't it possible that other interpretations they hold firmly should be up for examination as well? Could the gatekeepers that devalue women, dismiss people of color, shame victims, and protect their abusers support a shockingly immoral administration president and openly mock faithful leaders with no shame also be wrong about the LGBTQ community? Is it so difficult to connect the line to connect through line of power to the clear abuse of yet another community? Is there not a pattern of marginalization here worth examining? Mm. Now, does that sound, Mm. does that ring a bell for you guys with what we've been studying? So here's what's going on. There's a narrative in play, right? And so for her, she doesn't see guys that are, that are like my interpretation. They failed to, distinguish between essentials and non-essentials and they were unkind and uncharitable and should repent for her it's a clear um it's it's power it's it's patriarchy and the same thing it's 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 misogyny and it's the same thing that's driving not being affirming to the lgbtq community same thing that's driving if you vote republican it's it's all this and, and the narrative just is it's critical theory right and um she actually was posting a lady here from Sarah Bessie um, and her, she kind of does the the same thing here. So I'm going to see if I can um, find, but it's the same, it's the same language here. She says, after all, you're on shaky ground these days. If your foundation is built on broken systems and injustice and keeping others down so you can stay up, keep laughing. The future of the church doesn't look like them. Maybe deep in their heart, they even know that God isn't a straight, white, upwardly mobile male, despite their... So listen to those terms right there. Straight, white, upwardly mobile, meaning, you know, you kind of, you have the ability to have privilege or whatever. Despite their best efforts at cramming the divine into their American exceptionalist box, which is code word for conservative politics. Hmm. Um, So they wrap their lives up in the powers and principalities of this world, like patriarchy, nationalism, racism, homophobia, transphobia, etc., and anoint it with sacred language and expensive suits that their and their own fear. Hmm. So again, so you see the move here to motivation and narrative and that's the automatic move and that's the one that you got to be careful of because this is the worldview that's actually push it squeezes out a biblical worldview yeah mm. does that make sense yeah. you hear that language mm-hmm. absolutely um and it's so that intersection of all those things yeah that shows you the critical theory approach yeah like and so, yeah. so here's here's Neil uh, in a recent debate he had with a guy on this subject. He he gives a real quick, short four point rubric of what the kind of the tenets that run through critical. There's a bunch of critical theories, but this is kind of the the contemporary popular kind, especially that's made its way in the evangelical circles from people like Robin D'Angelo, and she writes with someone named Sinsoy, and um, I forget the other person's name offhand. But there's a there's a few like crafters of these specific language in this narrative and and here's point one it says society is divided into dominant oppressor groups and subordinate oppressed groups along the lines of race class gender sexuality and gender identity everything they just named etc and you can actually see this in the chart like in the book it's i mean it's clear so the the canonical oppressor is the white male cisgendered heterosexual christian those are the those are kind yeah. of the categories. They might uh, able-bodied is sometimes add in there, mm-hmm. um, okay. and so you know th- this is the narrative. So anytime they see something like this, it's going to be picked up and said, "Here's what's really going on," right. and th- the theology of complementarianism is a mask for patriarchy. It's a mask for homophobia, and then it gets extended. Historical Christianity is a mask. I see. It's okay. for colonialism. It's a mass. Mm. So it's 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 all wow. part of that same thing. So number two, oppression is not defined only in terms of violence, but in terms of dominant groups, whites, mm. the rich, men, heterosexuals, Christians, etc., mm. imposing their values on subordinate groups, people of color, the poor, women, LGBTQ wow. plus, individuals, non Christians, etc. Mm. Number three, 
we should expose wow. and dismantle the values and structures of dominant groups. Racism, classism, sexism, homophobia, ableism, and transphobia are all forms of oppression that mm. must be dismantled. That's wow. why, like, we would speak against racism, we would speak against what they did there, but we don't right. read on the whole narrative that then actually drives out yeah, uh, biblical right. anthropology mm -hmm. as well as sexual ethics. Number four, social location determines our access to truth. In particular, oppressed people have special access to the truth through their lived experience, while members of oppressor groups are blinded by their privilege. Now, interestingly enough, Jen Hatmaker, on the, the other conference where she was talking about rotten fruit, she, that's what she talks about. White people cannot see what she's saying is the truth because of their privilege. Mm. Of course, then the question is, how does she see it? Because she's white. But for her, she sees that she has an awakening by adopting this, this basically this critical right. theory, and now she oh, wow. is an okay. ally. And if you don't see it, even if, if like, let's say, for instance, Nerva doesn't agree with Jen, that's because she has imbibed mm -hmm. um, white supremacy, and she's which, taken on, and it's formed her which mind. Is, yeah. It's so funny, which sounds racist to say, I would think that, like, you can't think for yourself because yeah. you don't think this way. Absolutely. You're clearly brainwashed. And it's seeing, wow. it's, it's definitely seeing persons in, seeing color first. And that's not how Jesus sees people. He definitely sees the heart. And, and it's totally against what MLK came to say, content of character first, not people groups first. And so, right. yeah, well, it's and that's totally part, against that, yeah. It's part of critical theory is you find the group identity is your primary um identity the, identity, the yeah. group indicator right. so it can be race or it no can be economic status though yeah. it, it'll it'll yeah. vary okay. depending on what the use of it is in the case either okay. argumentatively or politically so yeah. it's so funny it, oh good yeah no what you the got? four things that you're talking about and none of those things does it talk about truth you know it's making these assumptions sure. about you oh, know oppressive people having more access to the truth and this the but truth? there's still no uh, objective meter stick to say like this is how we will measure the truth. They're saying you measure right. the truth by the most oppressed, which right. well, doesn't it, adhere to reality. So, so one of the names for critical theory, has, some people call it applied postmodernism, because really that's what it is. Oh, I mean, it's exactly yeah. what it is. Um, especially the 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 knowledge, the epistemology element, right. because what it says. And I'm I'm going to read this here. Um, this is a major difference between Christianity and and critical theory. So, this is what Neil says. He says. Um, Critical theory often takes an approach to truth claims that is in conflict with Christianity. Normally, when someone makes a claim about what is true, we require the claim to be supported by reason, logic, and Ooh, argument. We should, anyways. <laughs> I don't know the if idea. that's normal these Maybe days. Maybe on the should. Okay. Right. We test that claim against the available evidence to determine whether it is true. However, critical theory encourages an alternate approach to truth claims mm. that is very popular but is logically invalid. It's related to what we just talked about before. Right. He said, remember premise number five, he's referring to another article, oppressor groups hide their oppression under the guise, the pretense of objectivity. Now, this is something I didn't have time to read, but both uh, Sarah and Jen talk about the fact that they, they, they cloak their patriarchy and misogyny behind right. objective historical radical right. method of interpretation wow. and coming out to complementarianism. Right. She'd also say that about someone who is um, non-affirming of LGBTQ lifestyle. Right. She said you're cloaking that for, you know, in favor against sexual minorities. Right. So this Which, is the move. I remember Neil saying that any, when he was talking about critical theory, one of the main tenets would be if a group that uses ob objectivity to talk about, Truth or any group that appeals to objectivity is oppressive. Yeah, right. Just using the idea of objectivity is wow. an oppressing yeah. tool, right? Which is a genius move. It's a it genius is. Yeah, move it cuts it off from the root. Right. And that, exactly. and that, that was really the the French postmodernist thinkers. Like they did, they they Rejected used that big, um, yeah. basically as a as a tool to get rid. And they only right. they only understood argumentation as, as power dynamics, right? Mm. Because they, they ultimately said, well, and, and it's it's kind of it kind of flows into that. If there is no God, then we have no reason to trust our reason. Right. And so then, what are you left with? You're left with power and the use of reason to subjugate other people. Oh, so it's really right. a, it's an anti-God worldview that's that's Ooh. taken to the next step beyond wow. naturalism. So here's um. The thing that's unique about critical theory is usually postmodernism, or they're not moral realists. 
So in other words, they don't think there's an objective right or wrong. There's just power and different uses of it, and let's throw over right. in favor of us. Critical theorists do think there's a right and wrong. They think it's wrong right. to oppress, and that our duty is to overthrow the uh, the oppressors. So that's the unique mm. addition. So here he goes on. He says, um, because of this premise, when someone makes a truth claim, the first thing they ask by critical theory is not, is the, tra- is the claim true? But... What incentives does this person have to make this claim? (laughs) What social or political agenda motivates this statement? (laughs) How does this statement function to preserve his power and privilege? That's the questions that are asked by the critical theorists. So when John MacArthur and those guys make those statements, we don't even have to ask, is it true? We have to ask, what are they protecting? Right. What's their that's what's what the their motivation? Would ask. Okay. Yes, but that's a problematic stance. Yeah, because like then you're not dealing with you. Basically, you can you can, and this is what happens sometimes with intersectionality. You can multiply the groups ad fin, ad infinitum, ad infinitum, right. and put on top and on bottom whoever you want to for your agenda. So there's right. no there is no standard now that helps us know anything, right. and it just becomes warring in, of, yeah. of political power factions. Right, and you just pretty much guilty because of your if you're problem. well if you take the wrong side of the gotcha. argument if yeah. you don't, don't agree and it does right. and it really doesn't matter if you're what your ultimate it's it's easy in this case because they're old rich white okay. right. christians yeah. but, but if sure. they were if they were all if it was ben carson up there talking it would be because he had imbibed i see conservative I see. values yeah. yeah you almost have to well, be so, white supremacy yeah. right you almost have to be self-effacing for the critical theorists to listen to you right like if like for me like white straight whatever i would almost have to be down on those aspects of who i am in order for them to accept me is that accurate like no you just, just you would have to ally yeah. yourself i just have to yeah. agree you have to agree with them ultimately yeah. right i mean even if you said yeah these are terrible things but i i i don't think your worldview is is right in this way you would still it wouldn't matter that's because you're you know he'll 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 talk about that so he said if you're familiar with the work of c.s lewis you'll recognize the logical fallacy that he christened bulverism bulverism is a species of genetic fallacy it dismisses a claim as false because of the assumed motives of the person making the claim Mm. In the same way, critical theory bypasses the question of whether the claim is true and focuses the discussion on the claimant's group identity. Okay. Mm. If the person making the claim belongs to an oppressor group, then the response is easy. Quote, of course you would say that. They're just trying to maintain their power and privilege, unquote. But what happens if the person making the claim belongs to an oppressed group? In that case, the claim is ascribed to internalized oppression. Stockholm the syndrome. Sub, yeah, the subordinate individual has internalized and accepted the claims of the dominant group. Now the response is, ah, you're suffering from internalized oppression. You've been so thoroughly immersed in the dominant power structure that you're unable to recognize it. And he says, if you've ever discussed pro-life arguments, you're probably familiar with this reasoning. Let's say that a man makes a deductive logical argument. Excuse me that abortion is morally wrong, what is the response to him? Well, of course, you're male. <laughs> right. Do people say that argument, while right. logically valid, is unsound? Premise one is, fal- is false for the following reasons. No, sometimes, sometimes, but not very often. Instead, what's one of the most common responses that men will hear? Of course you would say that. You're a man. You yeah. just want to control That's women's bodies. But let's say I grab my wife and she makes exactly the same argument, same premises, same conclusion. Now what's the response? internalized oppression Mm. she has absorbed the values and norms of the patriarchy without even realizing it um Mm. now he, he says even if we grant that this approach to truth is a problem it is really one of the most dangerous conflicts between critical theory and christianity yes because it undermines any appeal to the bible One of the driving forces behind the Reformation was the idea that our theology has to be reformed to and brought under the authority of Scripture. 
To do that, we need to be able to test theological claims against the Bible. Unfortunately, like you said before, critical theory short-circuits this process. Mm. If a person from an oppressor group suggests that our views are unbiblical, they can be dismissed as trying to maintain their privilege. But if someone from an oppressed group suggests that our views are unbiblical, they can also be dismissed as having internalized oppression. Do you think that the Bible teaches that abortion is wrong? That's because you're trying to control women's bodies. Do you think that the Bible teaches that homosexuality is a sin? That's because you're motivated by homophobia. Do you think that the Bible teaches that husbands have the responsibility to lead their family? That's because you're trying to preserve male supremacy. Hmm. The primary concern for people who have embraced critical theory is not appealing to reason or argument or evidence or even to scripture. Their primary concern is unearthing and deconstructing the hidden motives of their opponents so that, according to critical theory, their claims can be ignored. Wow. And I, I, sh- did you hear it in the Facebook post? Like, it's clear. I mean, it's clear as a bell. It's like, it's textbook sure. almost. You like, recognize it for sure. She's, she, it's, you got to interpret what they mean by the context. And it's right. not oftentimes what it sounds like, unfortunately. So. Right. right.